Blog Talk Radio. Driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. It's talking in circles. There's a voice in my head that drives my heel. With your hosts, Clayton Caldwell. My baby calling till I need you here. And John Harlow. And it's a half past four and I'm shifting gear. Half past four and shifting gears. Hey, that's what it was last night at Bristol Motor Speedway. Talking in circles, Clayton Cobble, John Harlow here with you tonight. We're discussing Kyle Busch's 40th career Cup Series win. Swept the weekend at Bristol this week. We'll talk about that. Uh, where does he, right now, if he retired tomorrow, where would he rank on the NASCAR ladder as far as how talented he is and where he would be as far as all-time drivers go? Plus, we'll talk about the Truck Series some startling news this week. Brad Keselowski is shutting down his truck series team. He announced that. What does that mean for the truck series? And what does it mean for Ford? Uh, Ford this year, earlier this year, it was reported they were going to uh, put a lot of money to development and young driver development. And now they're shutting down. It sounds like they're not going to have any truck series teams next year. So what does that mean? We'll talk about that. And we'll take your phone calls, 917-889-8280. Of course, we've got some silly season news coming up. As well, uh, not too much, but a speculation, of course, we'll always talk about. But first, it was the uh, NRA Bass Pro Shops night race at Bristol Motor Speedway. Kyle Busch, he wins a pretty dominant race between Kyle Busch and Eric Jones. Those were two dominant cars. Kansas showed some muscle. We saw Larson show some muscle, but it was Kyle Busch's weekend this weekend at Bristol Motor Speedway, John. I'll tell you, after the race, though, it was a heck of a love fest between the two Kyles. I thought... uh, the end of stage one was really impressive, the racing between Kyle Busch and Kyle Larson, trying to win that stage. And Kyle Busch even said, he said, heck, Larson drives it like it's a sprint car. He's going to cut you off and hope you give him a break. And he said, I didn't give him a break. He said, I tapped him, he wiggled, and I got the lead, and that's how it went. And that was just great racing between the two of them because they were fighting for a stage win. And you don't you didn't see that in the past. I mean, that's one of the good things about the stage racing this year. Eric Jones was impressive all night long. I mean, he won the pole Friday. He was up front all night on Saturday. Great run for Eric Jones. Um, one of the funniest things came out of the media center at the end of the race whenever uh, Matt Kenseth was in there and they talked to him about um, where he finished. And he said... Uh, and they said about what he thought about when Eric Jones tapped him to move him out of the way so he could get the second. He goes, oh, I forgot about that. He said, he's taking my ride, and he hits me in the ass. I'm pissed. So, I mean, it was just typical deadpan Kedzeth. But I think it was uh, pretty good racing for Bristol. The VHT has helped it out a little bit. But, I mean, as as the night went on, the VHT wore off. The top groove really came in. And – Every now and then you can make a pass on the bottom, but if you can get your way to the top, I mean, at the end of the race, that was where you needed to be. And I think the last five laps of the race, you saw some of the best moves I've seen in a long time from Kyle Busch and Eric Jones, the way they were weaving through traffic. I mean, they were going three wide, cut in the middle, trying to get, I mean, Kyle Busch trying to escape Eric Jones coming in on him, and Eric Jones just followed through the hole. I mean, it was impressive racing not just by Kyle Busch and Eric Jones, but the cars who were on the top and bottom, making sure they didn't make a mistake that could have taken out the leader in second place. Yeah. Listen, I thought it was a great race last night. I mean, it was, it seemed like there was times where the bottom was faster. There was times where the tops was, was faster, but it really depended on how your car handled. I know some cars 
were better top on top and some cars are better on the bottom. But um, to me, that's great because you, you try and make your car hook up for all over because you have to pass. Once you get to a car that's running the same lane as you, you have to go low. And if your car's not any good low, you're not going to go anywhere. And we saw that at times with people as well where they could catch somebody but they couldn't pass them because their car wasn't handling low. And to me, getting the car to handle all over the racetrack, that's what this is all about, uh, is handling. Um, listen, Kyle Busch is great. There's no doubt about it. He went out there, uh, came from the back twice in the, in, in the Xfinity Series and the Truck Series race, won both of those races, wins here on uh, on Saturday night at Bristol Motor Speedway. It was a very impressive re- weekend for him. Um, a guy who, like we said earlier in the year, Toyota seemed a little bit off as far as the Gibbs guys were. You know, people forget it took Joe Gibbs Racing until New Hampshire uh, a couple of weeks ago to get their first win. And now it seems like Kyle Busch is, is one of the favorites again to win a championship. He's fast in a mile and a half. He's fast all over the place. Comes to Bristol and makes it his playground. He was, he you know, just made everybody their whipping boy this weekend, his whipping boy this weekend, in all three series. So very, very impressive weekend for Kyle Busch. And if you're a guy, uh, somebody who wants Kyle Busch to win this championship, I think you're feeling pretty good right now, John. One of the things with Kyle Busch, I mean, we we said about it earlier in the year. Um, he was just as fast as Truex. Uh, he was as close. He's the only one in the neighborhood of Truex when it comes to laps led. It just they were never able to put a full race together with that 18 car. And once they finally did, and both you and I said it, winning breeds winning. And the minute they put the full kit and caboodle together, we all knew something was going to be special there because they've been running great all year. And Adam Stevens even said it. He said, we, we've been fast. We've led laps. We just weren't able. There was always something happened. Uh, you, know, you look at Phoenix, Logano blows an engine, and Kyle Busch was in no man's land. Does he pit? And somebody stays out. Or he, if he pits, somebody stays out, and he's got to come back on a green-white checker from sixth or something like that, or if he stays out, everybody behind him is going to come in and get tires, and he's a sitting duck out there. So it was one of those things at Phoenix. He had the win if Logano's engine blows a half a straightaway later, Kyle Busch is taking the white flag, and the race is over. So he could have had the, ra- the win the second race of the season, or the third race of the season out of Phoenix. I mean, Kyle Busch has run great all year long. He's the only Gibbs car that's been consistent all year long. They just had they their finishes didn't match the way they were running. Yeah, and if you look at the finishing order last night, uh, the top four were all Joe Gibbs affiliated Toyotas last night. So um, a very impressive race from there. Listen, I think Kyle has really done a great job, but an unbelievable night for Eric Jones too, John. 260 laps led, uh, finishing second spot. He's a, people forget he's a rookie. You know, he's, he's a very young kid. Yeah. He's taken over Joe Gibbs racing car next season, but he is ready for it. He's really come on here in the last few weeks. And it looks like Eric Jones could be a player to go a little bit further in the playoffs. As I think than most people thought, I think that team maybe was a one and done team. A lot of people considered it, you know, it'd be interesting to see what they get. It sounds like that team might be shutting down at the end of the year. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, but, um, he ran a great race last night, and Eric Jones is ready, I think. Uh, Bristol's one of the toughest tracks on the circuit, and to go out there, and you lo- he lost to the best at Bristol Motor Speedway. He lost to Kyle Busch, at, you know, who had a great race car, and Kyle said, listen, Eric Jones gave me everything he had, and I'm worn out at the end of this race because Eric Jones was running so 
good at the end of that race. Um, I think a very, very impressive night for that number 77 team and Eric Jones last night. Yes, uh, Eric Jones, I think, came of age last night. I still don't think he's going to make the chase. I think uh, Darlington isn't somewhere you get – very rarely does your first win come at Darlington. I mean, what was it, Regan Smith and nobody else? I mean, very rarely do you get your first win at Darlington because the track is such a monster. I mean, it's one of those things Kyle Petty and Dale Jarrett talked about on the post-race show when they were talking about Darlington coming up in two weeks. There's 40 competitors out there, and then there's a track. And you're racing the track first before you're racing any other competitors because the track can bite you in the butt every time your competitors may not be able to. Um, And I think Richmond's just going to be a crapshoot because there's going to be so many people trying so many different things that they're going to try to somehow either gas mileage their way in, uh, take two tires their way in, some sort of strategy. Because you look, Clint Boyer is going to give everything they can to get in there. Jones is going to try everything he can to get in there. Um, Legato is going to try everything he can to get in there. I mean, there's three really good cars that have been top 10, top 15 cars all year that right now all three of them are out. So they're going to try something to pull off some sort of miracle to get them in. The Hail Mary's coming. It's just a matter of which direction it's coming from. Um, Eric Jones showed part of the reason why, uh, Joe Gibbs has put him in that 20 car yet next year. And Kyle Bush has talked about it over and over. I mean, you look, the reason Eric Jones got his start in NASCAR was because Eric Jones beat Kyle, Kyle Bush, the snowball derby. Mm-hmm. And Kyle Bush thought, if you're good enough to beat me at the snowball derby, let me put you in a KBM truck. And it just went from there. It's been phenomenal for Eric Jones. His career is rising. He's going to be a star in this sport. I agree. I think it, last night was a sign of things to come. He's done a great. He's done a great job this year. The team got off to a little bit of a slow start early, and I think you expect that with a rookie driver. But lately, they've really run good. Hamlin, a nice third place run. Matt Kenseth, you know, it looked like Matt Kenseth, John, might win that race last night. Um, fell off towards the end. His tires wore off. It was an interesting night because I think throughout the day, as the track got cooler, the track changed a lot. We saw some comers and goers, which is something we don't really see anymore. Um, but we saw some comers and goers. For example, Clint Boyer was a top 10 car all night. And that those last two runs, he was dreadful and dropped to 19th. Um, you know, we saw Trevor Bain, who was about a tw- uh, 20th to 15th place car all night, worked his way back up, way up to seventh spot and, and got one of the best finishes of the year for that team. So um, there was a lot of comers and goers throughout the race. And I think Kenseth, for example, was stronger towards the end. Uh, towards the middle of the race, but at the end of that final run, it seemed like the car just kind of went away. I think he overused his tires there at the end of that race. So there was a lot of stuff going on there for Matt Kenseth. But a solid day for that 20 car in the fourth position there, uh, but just not enough for them at the end of the day. Again, it was a solid run for Kenseth. And uh, that car's coming to life. I mean, they've run well. And the past few weeks, I mean, he's been knocking off top fives. He's been knocking on the door. And, I wouldn't count Matt Kenseth out, even if he has very few uh, playoff points or anything like that. Matt Kenseth can win races still, and he's in Joe Gibbs' equipment. And sooner or later, the luck is going to go their way. Um, one of the things Eric Jones talked about, uh, whenever we were, you were saying about Eric Jones and the great race that he had, he had six DNFs this year. If Eric Jones has three DNFs this year, He's fighting for a playoff spot instead of being a hundred plus points behind. Uh, 
If he has zero DNFs, he's in the playoffs, and Jamie McMurray's trying to Hail Mary. So, I mean, it's it's one of those things that's a growing pains with the team. I mean, Furniture Row's done a good job putting a second team together, even though in reality it's a Gibbs Light team. And pretty much, as you can tell, most everybody from that team, or at least the crew chief's coming with them, um, whenever he goes to the 20 car, because Matt Kenseth, crew chief, has announced he's not going to be there next year. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it was a interesting day um, for Matt Kenseth. Again, I think that 20 team is something that, um, when you look at it, uh, it's an interesting team for the rest of the year even, because I think, um, like you said, Ratcliffe's gone, Kenseth is gone, and uh, they're just going to have to pick that team up from where they go. I thought Kurt Busch ran good. Another guy who I think um, comers and goers, Kurt was towards the, in the early part of the middle of that race. Kurt was probably a, you know, a 15th place car. And uh, he really did a good job and worked his way up through the end of the race. I thought he, he did an uh, amazing job at the end of that race to, to get into the top five. Um, and, and that's a sign. This team really needs to pick up some momentum here. I don't think they're a championship contender right now, but if they can get some momentum on their side, that would help them. Uh, another good run for Ryan Newman, a sixth spot. The banner car again at RCR. That team seemed to lack speed again, but Newman, a nice finish for him. Bain was seventh. I mentioned him earlier. Then you had Harvick, Larson, and Blaney rounding out the top ten. Harvick wasn't a factor all day, qualified very poorly. Um, Stuart Haas Racing seemed a little off. You know, Boyer was good, but other than that, and, and, and we saw Kurt really come, come through at the end. But other than that, they really weren't great. They didn't lead a lot of laps. Danica was not a factor all race long. Um, so what were your thoughts there on, on Harvick and the Stuart Haas boys on, on Saturday night? Um, Kurt Busch, plain as day, gave credit for that finish to Tony Gibson for pitch strategy and the way they wound up doing things. It was a good move. I mean, Bush got into the wall early and got toward the back and worked his way through. Harvick just missed it in qualifying. And there were some times, I mean, you saw a few of them, where if they hit the VHT wrong, they went uh, – scooting up the track a little bit and you couldn't catch up from it. That's why Kyle Busch, I mean, he was a, he was the first car in segment one of qualifying and didn't make the final segment because he hit the VHT wrong and just couldn't get the momentum back. So, I mean, it was one of, it was a good race by Harvick to start what 29th and finish eighth. I mean, that's impressive. Kyle Larson kind of disappointed me a little bit. He was up front most of the way and sort of faded toward the end. Um, I just think Stuart Haas on that track, I mean, I don't know what happened to Boyer because he was up there making, I mean, making hay around 11th, 10th, 11th, most of the night, and then dropped in the final run. I think Stuart Haas has to pull out a miracle for Boyer in the next two weeks. And I think Harvick and Kurt Busch may be experimenting a little bit to get ready for the playoffs. Well, you're probably right on that. No doubt. I think, um, to me, you know, Harvick needs to be running better than where he is to, to, to win a championship. I think Stuart Haas and that four team especially is not where they normally are um, at this point of the season. I think they're usually ready to, to sort of jump on anybody who's competing for the championship and they're ready to go. Um, maybe they are experimenting a little bit, but, you know, we need to see some speed of that four car on a mile and a half. These are two good racetracks coming up. They build some momentum. Darlington's a good racetrack. Richmond's a good racetrack. Harvick's good anywhere, really. But these are racetracks to where, um, you know, if, if handling's a big issue and if you can figure out your handling, you're in good shape. Um, so it'll be interesting to see exactly 
what happens with those guys. A couple of call-outs before we get to the guys who really kind of surprised us. want to give a quick call-out to, uh, I think David Reagan had a really good race last night. Uh, you know, it was a, about a top 20 car all day long, um, qualified 19th. You know, for that team, that's a pretty good night. Um, you know, I mentioned Trevor Bain, Stenhouse, a pretty good night. Uh, but some disappointments, you know, first of all, you had Brad Kozlowski. Um, he had some issues all night long, was five laps down, finished in the 29th position. Then you had um, Martin Trex Jr., who had pitted for a loose wheel. He was a lap down in 21st. So a tough, couple of guys who are normally up front, normally compete for wins at Bristol Motor Speedway, having some tough days, loose wheels, and just some team issues there on the, on the uh, 78 and the two car there, John. I think Joey Logano had a uh, rough day, too. You were expecting him to be up toward the front most of the night, and, and he was 10th place at best whenever he was running. You didn't see him even contending for uh, a shot at victory. I mean, especially with their back against the wall the way they are, that 22 team, if they don't come out guns a-blazing, something's not right. And it might be that Ford – I mean, Petsky just had – it may be one of those things like remember back in the day um, – Roush had a front-end geometry issue that took him three years to get past. It may be an engineering issue that the uh, Team Penske just can't get around. And Stuart Haas is battling it. It just isn't affecting him as much. You very well could be right. And I think definitely this fact that they're building their own chassis this year uh, might be a little bit of an issue, too, where they're starting to get the – they got to get that underneath their feet there for for Stuart Haas. So as far as Team Penske is concerned, listen – um, that really, again, we always point to Richmond. I think, um, when you think about Joe Logano's season and the team Penske season, it's really turned around at Richmond, you know, even Ryan Blaney, Ryan Blaney was a good car all day, but he was never really a, a, a contender for a win. He was a top 10 car, you know, and they had a nice day. I'm not trying to say anything that like 10th is a bad run, but as far as winning is concerned, they were not a factor to win that race. They were a good car. They just never really had anything for the lead pack. And that was a little alarming if you're a team Penske fan, but John there uh, to me, the, the teams that really struggled here, first of all, and, and I know we've been talking about him for a long time here, struggling. Um, and he's NASCAR's most popular driver, but I'm going to say this, that this weekend at Bristol Motor Speedway for Dale Earnhardt Jr. was rock bottom qualified 31st finished 23rd uh, early on in that race. He seemed like he was able to get up in the top 15 but there was times in that race where I'm sitting there watching it going, what in the world is going on? I, I'm sorry. I know Dale came out in, the par, in his uh, periscope, and he said, we don't need a crew chief change. We're sticking with Greg Ives. Listen, something's got to give here at this 88 car because this is a disaster right now. Uh, you cannot run like you did on Saturday night and expect people to take you seriously. I mean, you have to have some respect for yourself and your team and your organization. I mean, that I would have walked out with, if I was Dale Jr., I would have put a mask on and walked out of Bristol Motor Speedway because I would have been embarrassed that that was my run last night. You cannot put up that effort if you're that 88 car and expect people to, to say, well, you know, his championship, his final season was a, was a good season. You owe it to your fans out there who put a lot of money into your team to give it your all these last 12 races. And if that means making a, a, a change on top of the pit box for 12 races, and so be it. Because right now, whatever's going on is not working. That team was a disaster yesterday at Bristol Motor Speedway. There is no no way about it. This whole weekend was a disaster. And is Junior to blame for that? Absolutely. There's some pieces to it that he's blamed. He's the driver. He's the ultimate guy that is in the driver's seat making the decision. 
But goodness gracious, John, they cannot run like this and finish out this year and call the season a success if they continue on this path. Awful, awful performance from that 88 car yesterday. I don't know any other way to say it. The thing is, excuse me, You, Tony Urie Jr., Tony Urie Sr., anybody who's ever been his crew chief, you bring Steve Letarte back for the 12 races, it isn't going to change. You're not going to make that much of a change in 12 races. The cars are built. It's Jr.'s feel in the car. And I really don't think Greg Ives is the problem. If you remember two years ago when Tony Stewart was crapping to bed, with Chad Johnson as his crew chief. And I'm I, I'm the unabashed Tony Stewart fan here. And I was griping all season. Chad needs to go. Chad needs to go. And as soon as the season ended, Chad went to Kyle Larson. And both of us sort of went, well, what the heck kind of moves that? I mean, if he's not good enough for Stewart, why are you going to put him with this young buck who's coming up? And Kyle Larson and Chad Johnson clicked. Chad Johnston was great with Martin Truex in the 56 car at Michael Waltrip Racing. Mm-hmm. So Chad Johnston's a good crew chief. Greg Ives won an Xfinity title with Chase Elliott. Greg Ives and Dale Jr. ran well the first year together until Dale Jr. got his concussion. And I don't think Dale Jr.'s had the feel of the car since. I think Dale Jr. is, I mean, if you really think about it, I bet if uh, Dale Jr. had his druthers, he wouldn't have run this season because he knew going in. And, I mean, he announced it in May, but he told Rick Hendrick in March this was it. So he's four races in telling Rick, okay, this is it. That means he doesn't have a feel for the car. If you remember, part of the reason Tony Stewart got out, he did not have a feel for the car, and he was not having fun. Junior's having fun because everybody's – I mean, Junior's Junior. He's having fun. He's enjoying his team. He's enjoying the time at the track, but he's not having fun in the race car. And I think that's the difference between Junior retiring and Tony Stewart retiring. Tony Stewart was having fun in the race car except he just wasn't getting a handle on it because of the way the Gen 6 car went and taking horsepower away and everything like that. But he was having fun with the guys outside of the track, too. He just hated all the media expectations and the appearances and everything that went like that and how packed the weekend was. Junior loves that stuff. He's just not feeling the car. Listen, I I agree. I think there it's not I'm not trying to say Greg Eyes is a bad crew chief. I don't want to come off that way because I think Greg Eyes is a good crew chief. Um, but sometimes when you're with a driver, I believe and Jimmy Johnson says this a lot and we hear it on Sirius XM radio if you ever listen to it. You know, I believe that the that the chemistry between a driver and a crew chief is where the magic lies, uh to to use his exact f- phrase. And listen, it's not working. And I think Greg Ives could go elsewhere, go somewhere else, and go to another driver and, and be a very, very, very successful crew chief and win a lot of races. Um, it's just not working at this 88 car right now. And, and I don't know what you have to do, whether you say, listen, we're going to keep Greg Ives on the pit box and we're going to have Darian Grubb or whoever else is in that organization, you know, come on a pit box these last 12 and help Dale. Because to me, 
that is that was I mean that awful doesn't describe what that was last night. I mean, you know this. I'm a David Reagan fan, and there were, there was a time I was watching that race, and I said, "Who's this guy on the high side, this slow car, holding everybody up?" I thought he was uh, Cole Witt in the 72 at one point. I went, "Oh my goodness, that's the 88 car. What is going on?" And you, I'm sorry, you cannot have that. This is Hendrick Motorsports. This is the 88 team. This is your final year, and this is what you want people to remember you as. I, just not good enough last night that was awful um you know and and maybe you're right maybe it's the head injuries and everything all together but holy toledo that to me was it just you know and casey came wasn't much better either to be honest with you and maybe it's something where hendrick's saying you know what we're going to try test something with these two cars uh because these guys aren't going to be here next year we want to win a championship with jimmy and give chase a good shot at it you know chase had some issues with crashing and uh whatnot but Gosh, I just thought, and, and I just thought that whole weekend, this was a weekend where you kind of thought, okay, they're off on a mile and a half. They're going to go to Bristol, which is a short track, and they're going to compete. Well, this was their worst weekend by far. And if they go to Darlington and Richmond and perform like this, I mean, the, the rest of the season you might as well just throw out the door because you're not going to gain any speed in a mile and a half right now with, with teams that are in the playoffs that really are ramped up. Uh, not a good – not a good weekend at all for Dale Earnhardt Jr. And part of the thing when you think about if there's a possible crew chief change or anything like that, who, I mean, you you brought up Darian Grubb as a name you can bring in. You can bring Kenny Francis in. Uh, Lance McGrew, there's several great crew chiefs sitting there at Hendrick Motorsports. But the thing is, Darian Grubb's chief of car, he's the ultimate car chief when it comes to the whole organization. He's the design guy. He's the chassis guy throughout the organization. Darren Grubb's helping put the chassis together that they're using. So that's not going to help. Um, I really think, because Greg Ives worked great with Alex Bowman last year. And they've already said they're expecting Greg Ives and Alex Bowman to have a great year next year in 2018. I think 90% of this falls on the driver. Now, he's got the same engine Jimmy Johnson has. The car's built in the same shop Jimmy Johnson is. And, but the thing is, overall, all weekend, Hendrick Motorsports was not that good. Jimmy Johnson was a 10th place car at best most of the days. A couple times with strategy, got up in the top five. But Jimmy Johnson was a 10th to 15th place car most of the day. And he was the lead guy at Hendrick Motorsports. The thing is, Hendrick Motorsports has one thing in mind. And that is winning Jimmy Johnson's eighth championship. There's no track like Bristol in the chase. There's no reason to put any extra resources to it other than it was Junior's last ride. But is it going to make a difference to Jimmy Johnson or Chase Elliott, whether they ran good at Bristol? Is that going to impact how they run in the chase? Not one bit. It's a good point. And there's no track like it. Um, 917-889-8280 if you want to join a conversation here on Talking in Circles Clayton Caldwell here with you John Harlow on the other side um, listen I, I you know I agree as far as maybe it is a driver I think Dale Jr.'s confidence right now is at an all time low he made some tweets this week that were just kind of like whoa you know his confidence is really shot and maybe the horror comments got to him a little bit as far as mental his mental capacity as far as you know his confidence is concerned but I mean even if you know, you want to see if you're Junior Nation, you want to end this season. He's not going to make the chase. I don't think they're anywhere close to winning races in these next two. I mean, if you finish 10th 
at Richmond and Darlington, you're feeling good about yourself. I mean, that's how bad it's been. Um, but you want to end this season respectful. You want to you want to sit there and say, hey, you know what? We got to where we needed to be, and just you know, I said this to my fiance the other day, who's a big time junior fan. Listen, you're waiting for your season to start, and we're 24 races into the year. That's how bad it's been. It's just been a bad, bad year. He's had one good race all year. We talk about it every week where he's run at Texas, but I thought this weekend at, at Bristol was horrible. Um, Kyle Busch, let's talk about him, John. You know, won the NASCAR Xfinity Series race this weekend at Bristol. Also won a Camping World Truck Series race. He sped on pit road in both races uh, in Section 4 in the same section, right around the same time in the race, too, uh, and battled himself back from – the deep in the field to, to the victory. It, it was an incredible display of performance. Listen, I, I'm not a guy who I've come out and said, we need to get these cup guys out of these lower series. Um, I think that it's, it happens too often. The fact is that we uh, see it too much where there's too many companion events. I think that's the ultimate problem with it. But what Kyle Busch did this weekend was very, very impressive. And he's got 180 wins now, John, in the cups in the NASCAR Cup Series, Xfinity Series, and Truck Series combined. Um, what do you think the number he's going to stop at? And do you think that all his wins combined matter as far as history is concerned? Um, do you put him in another echelon because he's won more Xfinity Series races and Truck Series races than anybody else? Uh, you know, what are your as far as Cup guys are concerned? What are your thoughts on that? If you go and ask me at the end of the day, where does Kyle Busch rank in the history of NASCAR? I'd put him probably fourth, maybe fifth. I'm going to go, I mean, if you look at it, they're saying 180 wins for Kyle Busch, but it's in three different series. When Richard Petty started out, they were running 50 races a year. So Kyle Busch is running 50 races a year. Different series, the cup ran, there wasn't really the Xfinity, there was no truck series back then. The Xfinity series wasn't anything to write home about. I mean, it was Richard Petty against the world. The competition is much tougher now than it was back then. I mean, even in Earnhardt's day, there was five to seven cars you could count on winning on a pretty regular basis. Right now, this year, you've got 13 guys locked into the into the playoffs because they've won races. And some of the cars who you look at who are contenders haven't won yet, like Boyer, Joey Logano's encumbered win, Matt Kenseth, Jamie McMurray's been strong all year. Eric Jones is getting better and better. So right now, you, you think about it, there's probably 20 cars that have a shot at winning. And Kyle Busch continues to win. And he's done it in every generation of car. He was the first car to win in the car of tomorrow. He won in the generation before the car of tomorrow. He won in the Gen 6 car. He won with low downforce. He won with low horsepower. He's just a phenomenal wheelman. And I think the tweet that Kyle Larson put out after the race, you may love him, you may hate him, but Kyle Busch is probably the best driver I will ever see in my life. And that's, that's, per, that's saying something. And that's why I said it was a love fest because Kyle Busch said, yeah, you can pretty much say the same words instead of my name. You can put Kyle Larson's name in there. I think Kyle Busch is going to go over 200 wins. 
because he said he's going to get to 100 in Xfinity, and then he's going to hang it up there. If they keep letting him run truck, if there is a truck series, um, <laughs> I think uh, he will continue. He'll go over 200. I mean, you think about it, he's what, 35? Yeah. He's got he's not even that old. He's got another good 10 years competitive in the cup series and he's not getting worse. So I I think Kyle Busch, if you, at the end of the day, I'd probably go Petty, Earnhardt, Johnson, because all three of them have seven titles. Fourth is probably a battle between uh, David Pearson and Kyle Busch. Wow. I'd say that's high praise. And let me say, Hey, say something. He's a racer. I mean, I, again, I'm not praising saying that we need guys in the Cup Series and the Xfinity Series. Again, I just think it's too many uh, uh, companion events. But he's a racer. you got to respect that. I mean, and it's in an era where we see guys who have uh, gotten there for other reasons besides their talent, um, people retiring early because they want to go run their father's business. Uh, and to me, that just shows, like, says, well, they're not really racers. This guy's a racer. You can put him in anything. He wants to go racing, and he and what I like, uh, what I admire about him the most, and this is what I think drives people crazy about him, is that he wants to win in anything he's in. It doesn't matter if it's you know. I, I think if he was in a race where you know, like a supermarket sweep, where I took started at one end of the aisle, and he you know we ended at the other end of the aisle, and if he lost, he would be mad. He would throw his car, and you have to respect that. Um, I think. It's an amazing want. Jimmy Johnson's the same way where, you know, some guys get complacent. You know, when they get on top of the world and they get there and they go, man, I'm, I'm winning races. I'm good. I, I'm comfortable. They get comfortable. Kyle Busch, Jimmy Johnson, those guys don't get comfortable. They want to win every single week. It takes a lot to win seven championships if you're Jimmy Johnson. It takes a lot to win 180 races in, in all three series if you're Kyle Busch. What that does for him over the history of the sport to me is different. And you could say, yeah, I understand your point about Richard Petty. Um, but, you know, Richard did it in against guys who were at their top, the best at that time. Um, you know, Jimmy Johnson doesn't run Xfinity Series races. Neither does, um, you know, Jeff, Jeff Gordon never really ran Xfinity Series races. So when he was winning all these races, he wasn't running against the top line guys. Now, you could say David Pearson wasn't there every week in the 60s and yada, 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 but Baker wasn't there. But for the most part, they were there. So the competition for Richard Petty was a little bit better than what Kyle Busch is going against. But still, it's very impressive. Um, I think as far as the Hall of Fame is concerned, he's going to have more wins because the Hall of Fame sort of is for all of NASCAR. It combines all your wins. That's something I don't like about the Hall of Fame. Um but that's why Ron Hornaday's in it. That's why guys like Richie Evans are in it because it combines all of NASCAR. And if Kyle Busch wins 300 NASCAR races, that's going to be the most of anybody in the hall of fame. Um, so it's interesting. I don't know where I put Kyle right now. To me, he's got to win a few more championships and you could say, well, he's won 40 races. What does that do? But he's only got one championship. I want to see him win two, three, four. Then I'm going to put him up into the names of, Pearson and Gordon and Johnson. I'll put him in there, but there's no doubt. He, to me, he's in the top 20 right now, as far as drivers of all time. And I, I you know, to me, that's very, very high praise for him and his career. You, you said he was 35, you know, 
or somewhere close to that. He's 32 years old. He's got at least 13 years left in him and a lot more wins left in him. Uh, he's been, you know, he's great. And, and listen, I know he's going to annoy some people, but again, I admire the fact that he gets frustrated because he doesn't win every week. I think that's amazing. I think last night watching the uh, post-race show was probably the best interview I've ever seen Kyle Busch give. Even when he wins sometimes, Kyle Busch has a tendency of being a douchebag. Because, I mean, he even said the one time they had a bad pit stop, and he's like, this is a really effing bad stop. I mean, he's chewing out the crew guys. Because he wants them to be as good as he is. I think pure talent-wise, Kyle Busch is probably as good as we've ever seen hold a steering wheel in the NASCAR Cup Series. I don't know of anybody who can do more with less than Kyle Busch has. I mean, if Jimmy Johnson has a 10th place car and Chad can't make something magical happen, Jimmy may get it to 8th. Kyle Busch, I've seen him take a 10th place car to victory lane just on sheer determination. But I think his... uh, Whenever you were talking last night about or talking about him going down to the lower series, I think, I mean, they said about it, Kyle Petty was like, yeah, you know, people gripe about you going down to lower series. Kyle Petty, I mean, Kyle Bush, great answer. He says, do you love your job? He said, I love my job. And if I can go out and do what I love and it's okay to do it, why shouldn't I? He loves to drive a race car, and he does it pretty damn good. And without Kyle Busch in that race car, you're not getting the sponsorship for the 18. You're not getting um, – I mean, you look at who he brings. He brings the sponsorship into his KBM Motorsports teams. He doesn't take a salary, but the sponsorship that they pay for him to run the races that he runs basically gives a chance for the – uh, Myatt Snyder's to run, um, Jeff Burton's son, um, uh, to be able to run. It helps fund Noah Gregson. I mean, it, that stuff is impressive. And then he said about KBM, he says, people are griping about it, but he said, Hey, there's 15 guys, KBM, who are now at Joe Gibbs racing to include his car chief to include his engineer on the cup team. And you look at the drivers who have come through Bush Motorsports already, William Byron, uh, Eric Jones, Christopher Bell's going to be up there soon. Bubba Wallace started with Bush Motorsports. Uh, Noah Grigson is really good. He's going to be fine. Those are all drivers who got their shot because Kyle Busch created Bush Motorsports. So, I mean, he he showed last night, and it's very rare that you see him that honest and that uh, at peace with what he was talking about. But he loves the sport. He's giving back to the sport. He's helping the next generation get to the cup level, get through the system to be able to go truck to and go from Cowboys Motorsports to Joe Gibbs Racing and work their way from truck to Xfinity to cup. And I think it's great what he's done for the sport. I'm as, I've been just like everybody else. I hate the fact that Kyle Busch comes down and beats everybody up 
at the lower level series. But after listening to him last night, more power to him. Let's keep it limited, though. But if he's going to win, he's going to win. Well, listen, and that's the only thing I think. I just think, it, like I said, I think it's too much. I just think – and it's not his fault. I'm not saying that he shouldn't run those races. I just think it's NASCAR in the modern era where we run too many companion events. I mean, when you run 29 of 33 – or 27 of 33 races uh, at the same racetrack and Kyle Busch is – it's very easy for Kyle Busch to run all those races. To me, you sit there and you go – do we really need a guy who wins 25% of all the Xfinity series races in the last decade to win them all 20 to do that again in the next decade? You got to remember you're in the entertainment business and, you know, limiting them. I don't think is a bad thing. I don't think they'll ever get rid of them completely, but limiting them, I think is a good thing. Now when seven, eight, eight, nine, eight, two, eight, zero, which leads to our next topic a little bit here. Oh, John, wait, before, and that's before we go forward, Clayton, I want to go back to where you were at with that about the companion races. Um, Herbie Sandler was on this morning with Pat Patterson on Sirius XM. And they were talking about the companion races, about how the truck series needs to go back to South Boston or go to Mansfield or all these different places they used to go to. Part of the reason the trucks are on TV is because they're at the companion tracks. Even though it's a different crew from NBC broadcasting it than it is from Fox Sports 1, the people shooting the video, the people who are the camera guys and all that stuff, they're pretty much the same group. If how much it costs to go to Eldora for that one off asking those small tracks to put up the minimum purse that the truck series has right now, you're going to be selling $75 tickets for the truck race because they don't have enough stands to do it. They don't have enough. uh, They don't have the size to do that. So the truck series will even become more irrelevant if we pull it away and send them to the short tracks that they used to go to. Because, I mean, you look, like we said, Kyle Busch Motorsports has 150 people working in that shop. If you go back to these small tracks and the purses they put out and all that stuff, there's no way they're going to be able to put 150 people in that shop and support them without going bankrupt. Yeah, I think, I'm sorry, but I think the TV deal is, is a lame excuse as far as these TV companies who make millions and millions of dollars off these NASCAR races and yeah, it's it's a nice thing to have for the TV crews. It's easier. It's a much easier weekend for these guys uh, for the TV networks where they don't have to sub people out. But it's not the end all be all. And there will be people who uh, you could who would who are would be desperate to pay that money and do what you know, even if it's at Mansfield or whatnot, to do that kind of stuff. Uh, I think that is a little bit of a, a excuse. Um, sort of like we hear from people, you know, that um, say the Xfinity series, the big guys in the Xfinity series owners aren't making money. I find that hard to believe as well. Nine one seven eight nine eight two eight zero. If you want to join a conversation on Talking Circles, like Lee in Virginia. Hello, Lee. What do you want to talk about tonight? Well, I, he John just said a comment, and I, I wanted to ask you, what do you guys think gets better ratings, the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series or the Verizon IndyCar Series? I think the truck series. Okay. Well, the Verizon IndyCar series can pay for an entire crew for NBC to go up to Pocono Raceway today for a standalone event and not have a problem with that. Why can't we do the same for the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series? That's my fair question point. on that. That's a fair point. You know, why? Uh, I, I don't that, disagree with why, you, Lee. That's why I sit there and I, I you know, sometimes 
people are a little bit afraid to say things because they don't want to make NASCAR upset. Um, I heard I heard that interview as well today, John, and I'll tell you, um, I thought the same thing when I was watching that IndyCar race today. I said, man, that's interesting that, you know, we'll have ARCA races at, at certain places and they'll have like a camera or two there, and that's fine. But I said, that's interesting because even though the Cable World Truck Series is struggling, and it is struggling, and it is going to die if we don't do something about it, it's still the third highest rated motorsport in the country. And we can't bring a separate crew there, even though they're doing it for the IndyCar series. To me, that's, I find that, you know, very difficult to believe. That's all. No, I, I agree with you, Lee. I think that's something that um, uh, is an excuse that I don't think holds a whole lot of water. Uh, let's talk about the truck series here with you guys quick. Listen, this series is, uh, I love it. It's near and dear to my heart. Uh, there are some times where one, some of my favorite memories in NASCAR are the truck series races because you see these kids, these young drivers, or these drivers who have, um, you know, sort of slipped through the cracks a little bit, either rebound their career or build their career back up in the Camping World Truck Series. Matt Crafton's a guy who never got a big shot in Xfinity, never got a big shot in Cup, but he's made a great career out of his truck series, out of his truck series career. Um, you know, Bobby Hamilton got a second life in a truck series. Ron Hornaday Jr., Jack Sprague, all those guys. I have some of the best memories watching those guys race when I was a kid. I think the truck series put on some fantastic racing. And part of the reason was because of short tracks. But to me, this series is in bad shape. We just saw uh, Red Horse Racing a couple of months ago announced they were closing their doors in the middle of the season. Took Timothy Peters and Brett Moffitt, put them out of rides, took numerous people out of jobs. They were a very competitive truck series team, but they ran for years and years without sponsorship. Brad Keselowski announced this week that he's going to shut down his truck series team at the end of the year. Uh, Chase Briscoe and Austin Sidrick, he runs both of them full-time with sponsorship at that organization, and he's shutting them down. Um, a very, very alarming announcement this weekend for that series. I think it's a bad sign. Um, cause pretty much next year, if you look at that series, just kind of scratching your head and going, well, will Nemco come back? I think Nemco sort of on the fence, you know, they, they do it because of John Hunter, but they don't have a whole ton of sponsorship there. Kyle Busch is, you know, you know, GMS racing is a solid team. They got a lot of money behind them, but they might be going cup racing. So it could very well be where Kyle Busch is the only solid team next year in that series. Does that make that series competitive to watch John? I don't think it does. Well, uh, Thor Sport as well, but I mean, Kyle Busch has basically said to NASCAR, if you tell me I cannot drive my truck, I'm closing my shop doors. He'll go down the road that Brad Kozlowski is. And Kyle talked about this last last night on the post-race show as well. He says, uh, as long as it's fun and as long as I'm not going broke doing it, and I have the chance to grow the next bunch up, but he said Tom DeLoach, who loves the truck series as much as anybody who's ever been in it, had to stop the bleeding at some point. And the bleeding stopped this season while his teams were both in the top 10 in points. And that's where what shows how scary that the, the truck series, and I've always loved the truck series. I thought it was some of the best racing whenever you would have the used-to-be's like the Ted Musgraves and the Bobby Hamilton's and the almost was like Hornaday and Jack Sprague. 
and you've got the young bucks coming up. I thought that was some of the best racing because you had the experience, you had the youth and you kind of blended them together and it was phenomenal. And unless something crazy happens, that truck series is, I mean, it's on life support now. And Lee, I want to get your take because I really think the big start of it all wasn't uh, the cost of the trucks or the cost of everybody else. I think the big red flag, and you're seeing everybody scraping, begging, doing everything they can to survive right now, is when NASCAR took the money and run with only getting $20 million a year out of this title sponsor, would it cost $30 million to sponsor Dale Jr. for a year or $30 million to spend Jimmy Johnson? And all these Fortune 500 companies that are looking return on investment are saying, why should I sponsor one car for more than it costs to sponsor the entire series? No, I hear you. And, and, you know, I think the Camping World Truck Series, from what I've gathered, the Camping World sponsorship isn't worth that much. Um, and listen, I don't buy Kyle's theory that he's going to close his Truck Series team. Because the one thing that Toyota has over a lot of the teams, and we've seen it over the last four or five years, is a very good and a very strong young developmental team and a very good young developmental program. And if Kyle's kicked out of the series, I don't think that goes away. I really don't. I think Toyota continues to fund it. I think they continue to bring up a nice fleet of young drivers here. Noah Gregson's going to hurt somebody. I don't think he's that great. But they got a lot of good drivers you know, in their fold. They've had Eric Jones. They've had Bubba Wallace. They've had William Byron. They've got Christopher Bell. They've brought up a lot of good young drivers here. And, and you know, Harrison Burton and, and Matt Snyder and Todd Gilliland are just waiting in the wings for when Bell moves up to wherever he's going to move up to. So, you know, I don't see them closing their door. If Kyle Busch leaves, I don't see Toyota going, no, you know what, Kyle's not here, we're going to close up. No, I, I see them continuing to fund that team. So, I, again, I think that's just you have to look at the facts and understand that that's probably not what's going to happen. The reason why Brad closed up is not because Brad Brad wasn't running. It's not because of these rules. If the rules if the rules benefited him, why are Tom DeLotion and Brad Keselowski closing? Brad Keselowski didn't run any races this year. Brad Keselowski closed because Ford isn't giving them the funding that he needs. Um, and I also think a lot of it has to do with the fact that, you know, Brad probably took a pay cut this year on his, on his current contract and couldn't afford to lose a million dollars again this year and run like he's running where his teams aren't winning and aren't competitive. They didn't really run. I mean, Tyler Reddick is a decent driver, missed the playoffs last year. Daniel Hemrick made it. I don't think Daniel Hemrick even won a race last year. So, and they haven't won a race this year yet. So I think Brad's looking at him going, man, I could spend two or three more million dollars here, but I'm bashing my head against the Kyle Busch Motorsports. And I think that maybe even if Toyota pulled out, who cares? Because I think it would make the racing more competitive because I think Kyle Busch Motorsports is just going to have this stranglehold over the series. You know, Thor Sports doing great, but they're with Toyota. And as long as they're with Toyota, they're going to be number two to Kyle Busch Motorsports. And Ford is pulling out and Chevy's pulling out of that series. Chevy's out of that series. I think as long as those guys are like that, you know, Kyle Busch Motorsports can have a stranglehold on the series, and I'm not sure that's great for the series, especially when you're funding yourself. Yeah, listen, and I and I want to kind of bring this back. There's a lot to dive into this. You know, there's talk of spec engines, and we'll get to that in a little bit later. But, you know, John talked about uh, Monster Energy being the, the start of everything as far as that was the beginning of the end for this series. I'm not so sure. I think the beginning and the end of this series, and I want to get your guys' take, it's a new truck. Uh, this new generation of race truck, I think the racing hasn't been nearly as good. I think it was extremely expensive that all the older trucks, and I know they still use them on the short tracks, but if you wanted to be a competitive team, you couldn't use one of the older trucks 
on a short track. You had to build brand new race trucks. And I think the, the fact that it gave these te- these bigger teams a, a bigger advantage over these middle of the road and smaller teams, and it killed them. You know, I, I think that was the beginning of the end. It, to me, I liked it when I first heard it because I thought, wow, the manufacturers want to get back into the truck series because there was a while there where the manufacturers really weren't in the truck series, and it was pretty good racing. Um, but I thought that, you know, they wanted more brand identity there. Silverado, uh, Chevrolet really wanted the Silverado. Toyota really wanted the Tundra and Ford wanted the F-150. And they gave them more brand identity. But the racing to me hasn't been nearly as good. It's been a lot like the Cup Series where it's aero-dependent on, super, on a mile and a half. You know, and I think the older generation of truck was a lot better. Um, so I think that was the beginning and the end of this truck series. And it's nothing they can do about it now. But you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and I think that sort of priced the little guys out, and uh, it really hurt this series a lot. Well, I agree with you, but I, it, it, that shouldn't have been what ended it. I think a lot of it had to do with the purses. Uh, you know, there was a time where you were winning twenty thousand dollars to go run, a, go win a race at Las Vegas Motor Speedway in the Camping World Truck Series, and Kyle Busch just said the other day. Eldora pays $5,000 or $15,000 to win, and that's what it takes to rehang a body, and you're, you're hanging your body specially for Eldora. So, you know, you're going there, and if you're going to win without a sponsor, you're going there to win just to hang the body. You're losing money on your way there. The purses have, have sunk significantly in the Camping World Truck Series. Prices have gone up steadily, and you're looking at it, and you're saying, okay, well, I can I – could run for this amount of money, or I could spend an extra million or two and go Xfinity racing and get my head kicked in, but make more money. And that's what teams are doing. And so, you know, and if you're Joe Gibbs Racing and you're Kyle Busch Motorsports, you know, Kyle Busch Motorsports wasn't winning races at the Xfinity level because they couldn't compete with Joe Gibbs Racing. However, they're in the Camping World Truck Series and they can win races, so it's easier for them to sell sponsorship winning races in the Camping World Truck Series than it was to run 10th or 14th in the Xfinity Series. So, you know, the purses, I think, coming down have really hurt that series. We don't know exactly what the numbers are because they're not showing us. But I, from what I understand, they've gone significantly down. I agree with you, Lee. And you think about when it comes to purses. I mean, Clayton and I interviewed Tommy Joe Martins a couple months ago. Whenever he, whenever he had the uh, – maybe it was a year ago, whenever he had the issue where his truck got uh, plowed at Pocono. And he's trying to go Xfinity Series racing this year. And he's probably starting and parking the Xfinity Series, and he's going to make more starting and parking Xfinity than he would running 15th in the Truck Series. And that's one of the problems that we continue to run into. If you look at the stick and ball sports, the stick and ball sports are owned by the owners. And they hire a commissioner and all that stuff to organize the league. NASCAR is owned by the France family and the France family is focused on filling the pockets of the France family. There's no reason with the TV contracts that are out there that there should be a $15,000 to win purse. There's no way it should be that way. They should be looking at ways to, keep the sport alive focus on trying to find new owners to come in because when Roger Penske and Rick Hendrick go away, 
Jack Ross goes away. The next generation of billionaires coming up aren't racers, and they're looking bottom line dollar effect. Look at how Rob Kaufman played his game. He couldn't make, couldn't win with Mikey, so he threw his money toward Chip Ganassi. And if Chip ends up crapping to bed, he'll either pull out or put his money somewhere else. And I think that's one of the problems is if you go to the Ivory Tower in Daytona Beach, it's paved with gold and dollar bills. When you go to the uh, Jennifer Joe Cobbs and the Norm Bennings who are trying to do this because they love the sport, they may not be very good at it, but they're doing the best they can. It's either Cobbush Motorsports, Thor Sport, GMS in the truck series right now, or nobody. And GMS is probably going cup racing. So it'll be Thor Sport, Kyle Busch, and everybody else, which is right. going to make that, it a crappy product. Right. And that's where, you know, it's scary. That's why I think it, we're in trouble here. And, John, you touched on a very interesting point before about Monster Energy, $20 million. And I know I touched on that before, but let's look at it a different way. Um, you know, if sponsorship's going down in the Cup Series – then you sit there and go, well, then maybe an Xfinity Series sponsor, which is paying $5 million a year, that's going to go a lot further now than it did two years ago in the Cup Series. Same deal with the Xfinity Series, where if sponsorship went, if, if that $5 million sponsorship is going to the Cup Series, hypothetically, uh, maybe the Xfinity Series lowered their costs and allows a Truck Series sponsorship to hop on an Xfinity car. So now you're talking about a whole different level. And will that help the series or is that going to hurt the series? Because the sponsors that have been there a long time are going, might go Xfinity series racing for a handful of races because there's more exposure. Uh, there's more races. The, the, you, you get better drivers as far as more cup ready drivers. What are your thoughts on that, John? A few years ago, uh, on the five car, you saw HendrickCars.com. And part of it wasn't because Rick Hendrick couldn't find a sponsor for Casey Kane for those specific races. Rick Hendrick had a cost. He wanted X amount per race. And if he didn't get that amount, he'd put HendrickCars.com on it because he wasn't bringing the price down. He thought sponsorship for this car is worth this. And if he cheapened the price, everybody else could want to lower their prices. It's the same thing we're looking at. I mean, Sprint was play, paying, what, $50, $75 million a year, and Monster paid 20 And the points fund came out of it. NASCAR made a bunch out of it. There was a driver's pool and all that stuff. That's not there this year. And sponsorship is struggling because – they've created budgets to where they need 20 to $30 million a year to run these teams because people aren't cheap. And the big word of how do you want to, if you want how fast do you want to go, how much money do you have? And the money is drying up and it's all being sit in the ivory tower in Daytona because of the TV contract. It's a billion plus over 10 years. I really I'm nervous for what happens when this TV deal goes away. Yeah, that's a good point. I, go ahead. No, go ahead, Lee. Please. I heard. I heard. I thought that same thing today when 
NASCAR lowered the price of, of the sponsorship here, um, I think what they should have done is maybe eaten it for a year. Because and uh, and I had this discussion with somebody today as well, where maybe they should have eaten it for a year because they wouldn't have lowered the price so much for the sponsorship for the team sponsorship either. Um, and and maybe in the future they could have sold it for thirty million this year if everything started to go up and your product started to rise and you could say, and yes, that's a hit, but it's not as substantial as twenty million. And now you're looking at it and saying, okay, well. They're going to get rid of. They could get rid of this monster sponsorship this year, from what you read. After this season, from what you're reading, which is just silly. But that's a whole other story. But maybe they should have waited. Maybe they should have went this year without a sponsor. I think their fear was we'd look stupid if we went into it without yeah. a sponsor. But at the same time, this is what you you have now done to your series is you've lowered the cost for everybody, and the price of of racing hasn't gone down at all. Well, and you're, I think you're right. You hit the nail on the head with they weren't going to do that because they would have said there and said that would have made us look really, really, really bad. Look, and we probably would have said it, no doubt. Look, they can't even get a sponsor for the Cup Series. They tried, and they kept saying everything's going good throughout the whole year last year. And obviously that wasn't the case because if everything was going good, you got a lot more money than what they got. Um so that one looked really bad, and that's why they didn't do it. But you have to wonder if they were looking out for the best interest of the sport as far as the teams were concerned, the best interest of the sport as far as reputation was concerned. Um, but listen, I, I hope this truck series is, is safe next year. But um, as far as Brad Keselowski coming, shutting team, his team down, what do you think this means for Ford? You know, I talked about it earlier where I said, hey, you know, what I liked about the, the new brand of trucks was – the manufacturers were going to step up their support in this series. We want to be in the truck series. We want to have more money there. Uh, we want to invest in the truck series. Great news. Um, but now with Brad pulling out, there might not be too many Ford teams. The only other two Ford teams in the race at Bristol Motor Speedway besides Brad Keselowski's teams was Regan Smith's 92 truck. And uh, I think it was Austin Hill on the O2 truck. Um, so, I think that is a really um, – it, it's bad for Ford. And this was a company who has really – was talking about dumping money into development because they were getting beat by Toyota uh, in the development ranks, which they were. They are. They're getting beat. You look at Toyota. Toyota's got a lot of great young drivers. Do you think they maybe focused their uh, their assets here, John, on maybe the Arca Series, the Canon East? And bringing these guys up into the Xfinity Series and looking at it that way? Um, or do you think this is a bad sign for Ford where they're kind of sitting there going, you know what, we were going to spend a lot of money in development, and now we're really not going to do that. What are your thoughts? I think Ford wants to spend money on development, but I also think they want to get their crap right at the top level. You can develop the best drivers in the world, but if you're setting them to the place where they're going to finish 5th fifth, fifth through 10th because they're getting their head handed to them by Toyota every week, Who's going to want to sign up with you? You're going to be one of you're going to be a Toyota driver, seeing the Kyle Busch, Martin Truex Jr., uh, Eric Jones, Denny Hamlin, seeing all those guys up front. If you're a kid signing a contract and you have a choice between Ford and Toyota right now, you're going to be a Toyota development driver because your way through the train, you're going to go through Joe Gibbs Racing, you're going to go through Kyle Busch Motorsports, 
you're coming up and you're going to end up at a good place. Ford right now, if you're in trucks, I mean, Brad K, and they've won nine races in the 10 years that they've been in existence. So, I mean, it's not like they're lights out. But, I mean, it's been two fully sponsored teams for a while. You go to the Xfinity Series, you've got one Penske car with the occasional second car. You've got the one Stuart Haas racing car with the occasional second car. And you've got the one Roush Fenway car with the occasional second car for Ty Majeski now since they took the sixth car away when they couldn't find sponsorship for Bubba. So the there's more room at the end in Toyota. The chance to win is better with Toyota right now. So I think Ford's trying to – they want to develop drivers, but I think they want to get their ducks right at the big leagues before they go down and revamp the minor league. Lee, what are your thoughts? Do you see a, a team in the Xfinity Series – a Ford team in the Xfinity Series uh, coming to fruition next year where they sit there and say, you know what, we're not going to take our money and keep it in the truck series. We're going to invest it in ARCA. We're going to invest it in the k and East, and then we're going to bring these kids up to the Xfinity Series. What are your thoughts on that? I could see Penske expanding because everything's there. They were planning on running a second car there this season anyway. Uh, things didn't happen. The funding didn't happen. I could see Ford, you know, Ford could look at it and say, Hey, we can dump a certain amount of money into our truck program and get our, and get our heads kicked in. Or we could go, you know, dump it into a second Penske car there and figure and finish that out and, you know, be competitive. And I think that's what they're going to try and do. And I think that driver could be, you know, Chase Briscoe. Now on the other end, what happens to, to Austin Cindric? Because Cindric to me, uh, you know, obviously his dad is Tim Cindric from team Penske. He's not going anywhere. It's not like he's going, you know, to, uh, you know, a different team or anything like that. So he's got to, um, you know, stay with Penske and, and figure out where these kids are doing. I think if Cindric wants to make it work in NASCAR, he's got to give up the road race and all the other nonsense that he does. But that's a whole other story. But they, they need to find rides for these kids. And, and maybe, you know, I could see maybe Stuart Haas adding a team. Because I believe that's where Briscoe is signed. I believe Briscoe is a Stuart Haas racing development driver, if I'm not mistaken. It's a Ford guy, but I believe it's a Stuart Haas racing deal that went through, you know, that went through the BKR stables this year. But I could be wrong on that, but I believe that's the case. So I could see them adding to that with, with, uh, you know, with with the Cole Custer car there. Um, and I could, you know, maybe they both run part time. I don't know. There's still a lot that's going on, but yeah. Briscoe seemed okay, and he's like, oh, Ford will find something for me this year. Well, they didn't find anything for Bubba this year. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah, listen, and I think an interesting aspect to this that maybe Ford might be looking at and Chevrolet might be looking at. Well, Toyota can dump all the money they want into development. They've only got six seats in the Cup Series, and next year it might be five. Because they're not finding sponsorship for that 77. Barney Visser came out this week and said, hey, we're not, we, you know, we're, we're looking for f- sponsorship, but nothing's really come up. Um, maybe Ford and Chevrolet and all these, and the manufacturers are sitting there going, that's fine. Dump your money into, into development. We'll wait for these guys to be developed. Pick from there. You know, if Chris, if there's not a ride for Christopher Bell, we're going to pluck them and, and take them away and put them in our Xfinity Series car and say, okay, let's go or bring him into the Cup Series and say, okay, let's go, because he's ready to go because there's not a seat for him in the Cup Series. You know, Truex isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Bush isn't going there anytime soon. Neither is Hamlin nor is Suarez. Uh, and Eric Jones just got to the 20 So for next year. So that, 
they're pretty full over there at the Toyota Staples. So maybe these or, these these you know what John's saying is absolutely correct. Ford wants to dump their money into the other teams and say we're not worried about development. We'll let Toyota develop develop them all, and we'll get them because there's just a cl- a, a clog up, up there of their seats right now. That could be a very interesting thought that Ford has, and maybe that's why they're getting out of the truck series. But like John said, developing more in the other series and letting Toyota develop the other kids. And if you remember back when Ford was really pushing developmental drivers, they had two phenomenal drivers come through the development ranks at Ford, but they didn't have a place to put them, Casey Kane. And you look, William Byron came through the Toyota development ranks. I mean, he ran for JR Motorsports in a late model, and Kyle Busch grabbed him, and Toyota grabbed him and put him in the truck series. But there was no place for him to go, and he would have had to run a second year of trucks. Rick Hendrick and Dale Jr. said, hey, we got a home for you over here. And now he's going to be in the Cup Series next year. Christopher Bell has drove 10 times in the number 14 World of Outlaws sprint car for Tony Stewart. I wonder if Tony's sort of putting his arm around him whenever they're out there at the racetrack said, hey, you know, Ford's helping us get growing. We could probably find a home for you an Xfinity team this year. Danica's going away. We could end up having a home for you here pretty soon. If we get Matt Kenseth into 10 for a couple of years, we'll get you a year or two in the Xfinity series. You could be my boy. I mean, just saying that's some of the options that are out there. I mean, Christopher Bell needs to go up. He's done what he needs to do in the truck series. They're still pushing Eric Jones into in the Xfinity series. They're still pushing Daniel Suarez in the Xfinity series. Kyle Busch is still doing what he needs to do in the Xfinity series. I think Joe Gibbs likes what they're getting out of Matt Tift. Where are you going to put him? Well, I, you know, I haven't been impressed with Matt Tift at all, but the fact, I think that the thing that is interesting is that cup. I think you look at the big picture. If you're a young kid, you say, Hey, listen, uh, I, that's ultimately my goal. And if, you know, Bell progresses like we think he's going to progress. Cup is in his near future. And he he's not stupid. I don't think he looks at it and says, oh, they'll make room for me. No. Toyota's in pretty good shape as far as drivers are concerned. And just like William Byron did, he sat there and said, okay, you know, there's not really seats for me. I'll go to Hendrick Motorsports. Whether Ford does that or not, or Chevrolet or whoever, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see if that's how they played it because – uh, I think that's interesting. Lee, what are your thoughts on, on the spec engine in the truck series? Rumors this week, I think there was an article published that they're really considering a spec engine in, in the truck series. Um, these teams rely a lot on the manufacturers, at least Cobbush Motorsports does. They like having the – I think Toyota likes the fact that uh, they use TRD engines there. And a spec engine was sort of even level of playing field. Um, it would give these bigger teams – and these bigger engine companies, some competition, and maybe lower the cost in that series a little bit. What are your thoughts on spec engines? Do you think they'll help the sport or not? Well, I'm a little torn because I had spoken to somebody who, who you know, knows, knows more about it than I do, and I said, you know, I kind of like it because it is helping in ARCA, et cetera. And he told me, oh, well, the, if that happens, the, the, the manufacturers are going to pull out of the series. Well, you know, listen, Ford's out. Chevrolet is is barely in it. I know GMS is in it, but like we said, they could be closing up at the end of the year their truck program. 
Toyota's in it, but I think John, you made an excellent point where they're dumping money into the into the truck program to develop these kids, but there's no room for them once they grow. And so that's where you know Hendrick doesn't have a development program, but they have open seats for these young drivers. Um, so that that makes a lot of sense. But to me, if the manufacturers do pull out, would that be such a bad thing? I mean, like you made a good point where years ago there wasn't that much manufacturer support in a truck series, and I thought the racing was fine. Um, you know, because all the bodies were the same. The noses, the nose, the noses were slight. Remember when Brad, when Brad converted from Dodge to Ford, his truck team, uh, they they had to do slight modifications to the noses, but but not much. And that really, Ford wasn't dumping a lot of money into it at that time. So, um, to me, I think at the, at, at this point, I'm willing to try anything to to lower the cost to create new owners in that Camping World Truck Series to help a team like John Hunter and Joe Nemechek. Now, I think they'll still lease. ECR engines, but I think a team that you know can survive and, and use the use the engines over again, and continue and and not be at the mercy of these of these major teams here, I think could really help, especially if it is a competitive engine. And you know you're going to get beat at the super at the at the plate. Uh, you're not going to get beat at the plate track, but you're going to get beat at the speedways, at the Michigans and all that. But they need to get away from those places, in my opinion. If you can put a spec engine in there and add a couple of more short tracks, you could really make it competitive for a decent price. And that's what it should be because I think that series should be a, a series where, you know, a guy with not a lot of money, you know, imagine if Bobby, like Bobby Lamani was on with Pat Patterson today and said he'd love to be able to go run the Camping World Truck Series. Imagine if a guy like Bobby Lamani was running the Camping World Truck Series. You know what kind of recognition that would give the Camping World Truck Series? Um, that, would, that would really be great for it, kind of like we saw with the Mike Skinners and the Johnny Bensons, the guys you knew from, from the Cup Series that were running trucks 10, 15 years ago. Um, and Kenny Schrader ran full time there for a year. I mean, you know, it, it made it a lot of fun to see those guys who may not want the, who may not want the the responsibility and and of running all the full cup schedule because I mean that's really where it's nutty at, and still want to be able to race a little bit to go run in the Camping World Truck Series for a decent price. I think you could see that happen. Um, I hope so because something needs to be done here. The spec engines, I think, you know, honestly. If they don't do it, like I said, Tom Delose just left. Brad Keselowski just left. There's a report that another truck team that I just saw today could be scaling back in 2018. You can speculate whether that'll be Thor Sport or Kyle Busch Motorsports because those are the only really two teams that that could that could scale back or GMS. Um, but they got two kids with money there, so maybe Johnny Sauter leaves. I could see that happening. But um, those are the only three teams that you're really looking at. So can this series get any worse? In my opinion, I mean it could, but boy, it'd be hard pressed for it to get much worse. Um, to me, I look at it and I say, go for it because I don't think it could hurt it that much. I think, uh, I think uh, one of the most interesting things I heard today was when Johnny Davis was on with Pat Patterson this morning, and they were talking to him about spec engines. And Johnny Davis basically said, the same engine for the truck. Xfinity and Cup teams are almost the same with very few little differences. Now, if they, and he, he went into specifics, if they bore the heads different or if they did uh, different pistons or whatever and made the pieces in the engine specs different for each series, it could even up the playing field for everybody without going to a spec engine because it's like you don't want the same engine everybody else has. You're putting all your eggs into one basket. And if you remember, whenever Toyota first came to NASCAR, 
all the engines were by TRD, and the first year, year and a half, Toyota's blowing engines all over the place. It wasn't until Toyota got Joe Gibbs Racing to sign on with them, and Mark Cronquist was using Toyota parts to build Toyota engines at Joe Gibbs Racing, and basically showing Toyota how to build the engine that will last before TRD engines became something. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you put all your eggs in one basket when it comes to the spec engine. I mean, ARCA has Ilmore for their engines, but I mean, if you, you think about it, somebody puts out a bad batch, sort of like the, uh, the valve spring, you get a bad batch of valve springs and you blow engines, your season's shot and you're at the mercy of one engine builder. And I don't think that's going to work. And what, from what I read, though, it you could, it's not going to be mandatory to run that engine next season if they do put it into place. But it'll be an option. Um, and there's an option now you can still run, but it's it's expensive, not nearly as competitive as the other engines. But the engine they're talking about is as com- close to competitive as can be, and it's a lot cheaper. Um, It'll make the it'll make it interesting. I, again, I, I'm a big believer in competition is a good thing. I think in anything, you know, if if you have the only ice cream stand in a 20 mile radius, you know, you can charge whatever you want because people don't want to go far. But if you got competition, you're going to sit there and go, whoa, 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 my competition's serving ice cream at ten dollars. I'm serving it at twenty. I'm going to raise lower my prices to fourteen because they're going to go to him every time because it's so dra- such dra- drastic of a difference. Um, Maybe we're going to see that with these engines, where I think a lot of these bigger teams, um, you know, even Xfinity, say we're, they charge the crazy, a crazy amount of money to get their engines. And I think if you bring a, a cheaper alternative there, you say, hey, you know what, maybe it'll get these guys to lower their price a little bit because you say, hey, yeah, I know the, the spec engines come in. They're they're at twenty five thousand a race. We were at forty last year, but we'll do it at about thirty two thousand a race. That'll make thing eight thousand dollars a race difference. That's huge. Um, so I think competition is a good thing, and I hope that's something that we see there where they don't make it mandatory per se right away, um, but see how it affects the cost of the series because there's no doubt. I think a lot of these bigger teams, especially in Xfinity, a little bit in trucks. You know where where uh, teams use Joe Gibbs racing engines. You know, there's no doubt these teams rely on that income to come in from the engines, and they make a lot of money off of that. Where if you bring another other competition in, it might make them lower the prices here a little bit. I think that'd be something interesting to keep an eye on here, Lee, as we go forward. Absolutely, and I, and and I think that's why the owners are reluctant. I think that's why the, the manufacturers are reluctant. Listen, people have to understand where some of these guys are coming from, and their their owners are telling them, hey, don't be aboard, on board with this because we make a killing off of these engines in these series. You know, everybody could say, oh, well, how much money do they make it off the truck series? If they weren't making any money, they wouldn't be doing it. So they're making money off of it, just like they're making money in the Xfinity series. And so um, I think that it would be a nice option to have. Even Johnny Davis, you know, he's got, he's got three cars and, and – and I think if he were to scale back and just do one car and maybe put all the effort towards one car and have a great engine, he might be able to do a little bit better. Who knows? But but I think in the Camping World Truck Series, it's different because 
I don't think there's as big of a gap in the performance in the Camping World Truck Series as there is in, in the Xfinity Series, where I think if you were to save a little bit of money, you could put that little bit of money into research and development. It could go a long way for you. In the Xfinity Series, yeah, Johnny Davis could save you know maybe a little bit of money, and he puts that in research and development, and Jugger's Racing is just going to kick, kick the crap out of him anyway. So I think in the Camden World Truck Series, it could go a little bit a lot further because the the price gap and everything isn't as drastic as it is in the other two series. And I also think as we Lee, as we keep looking at it, um, we see the difference in sponsorship going down and everything at the cup level. How do you think uh, Hendrick has made up for? not having the full sponsorship on Casey Kane's car on a pretty regular basis or some of the other things they've run into. He's selling engines to Ganassi. I mean, this year is one of those issues that Hendrick probably, this is probably the lowest financial gain year Rick Hendrick has ever had because he's not selling four engines or he's not leasing eight engines a race to Stuart Haas racing. He's not leasing chassis to Stuart Haas Racing. That's four cars worth of income gone from Hendrick Motorsports. So Rick Hendrick is probably saying, oh, no, we take that engine deal away. I'm, I'm putting engines in Ganassi's cars. I'm putting engines in uh, anything else. I, I mean, I'm doing GMS when it comes to trucks and whatever. They're doing Xfinity stuff. I need that money to support my cup program. And that's where the owners are going to run into it. I mean, I think your point was perfect there, Lee. Whatever you said, Johnny Davis could uh, cut back to one team and use what he puts into the other two and use it as research and development. And Joe Gibbs will just sell another engine to Furniture Row. And they've just made up the difference of what Johnny Davis has saved by basically shuttering two teams. It's a great point. It's a, it's absolutely correct. I'm sure. Um, it's just, it just shows you the kind of stranglehold the owners, the big owners who are in the RTA have over that this sport. Nine seven eight nine eight two eight zero. If you want to join the conversation here on Talking in Circles, going to change it up here a little bit and go to the silly season for the last couple of minutes of the show, show here. Um, John, I want to get your take here. What have you heard? I mean, right now we're sort of in a standstill. Um, you know, Kurt Busch, Matt Kenseth, Casey Kane, all not 100% sure what they're doing for 2018. Um, the 41 doesn't really have a driver for 2018. Neither does a 10. The 77's up in the air. You have the GMS Racing thing coming to the Cup Series. Any any thoughts on that? Uh, has anything changed since last week for you? Well, Chris Buescher, uh is now not a Roush development driver. He's with uh, yes. JTG Doherty, and he signed a multi-year deal there. So, I mean, again, it's another Ford development driver who didn't have a place at the end. Um, there's still the possible rumor of the 44 coming back if Eric Almirola stays in the 43 and trying to find sponsorship for Bubba Wallace in the 44. I think the next domino to fall is... Casey Kane. And I think it'll be if GMS racing comes cup racing. If GMS goes to cup, I can see Casey Kane and Spencer Gallagher running for GMS. It would be a team affiliated with Hendrick Motorsports because they already get their engines from them. 
They'll probably get their chassis from him. You've got a well-put-together organization with Mike Beam running things, who is a longtime competition director at the cup level. So they have the parts in place. All they have to do is make a couple adjustments, and they should be able to go cup racing. And Rick Hendrick basically said, I'm paying off Casey's contract. So the first year for GMS, Casey'd be on the house to help guide Spencer Gallagher through the series. Matt Kenseth, I mean, he's – I would not want to play poker with that guy because he's flat out said, I'm only focused on 2017. I have no clue what's going on in 2018. Uh, I'm not worried about it. I just want to get the playoffs and whatever happens, happens. You're not that cold and calculated unless you've got a real good idea of what's happening. And I think it's the 10 car. It's just a matter of getting the sponsorship. And I wonder if they're trying to get the Walt out of Joe Gibbs racing. It'd be interesting. Yeah, and I think they need sponsorship to make that happen, no doubt about it. Um, because Danica was there. She brought sponsorship, and she's no longer going to be there, I don't think, for 2018 uh, because she doesn't bring sponsorship. Lee, um, what are your thoughts? Do you, do you think anything else is going to happen? Um, it, you know, we heard earlier in the year, Eric Amarola's future at the 43 might be up in the air because he might bring Smithfield to the 10. I, I don't know if that sizzled or, you know, kind of faded away here or not a little bit, but what are your thoughts on a silly season? Anything else changed here in the last couple of weeks in your eyes? Yeah, I'm hearing, and this is an interesting little thing here, and I've heard it from several people now, that Richard Petty Motorsports and Richard Childress Racing are going to merge, um, and Bubba Wallace is going to drive what will be the 43 car at Richard Childress Racing slash Richard Petty Motorsports, whatever they call that team or whatever, Bubba Wallace is going to be a part of that. Now, where Eric Amarola ends up, whether he'll be in a second team, we don't know. And, and from what I'm hearing from Smithfield, I think it's they're, they're waiting for the 10. I think it's just they got to sign the D, they got to uh, dot the I's and, and line the T's. And, uh, you know, Smithfield will be going to Stewart House Racing, from what I've understood. And Matt Kenseth seems like a perfect fit there. Now, where Eric Amarola goes, I don't know, but – from what I understand, the Bubba Wallace deal with MDM Motorsports and Richard Childress Racing wasn't something that was just, you know, uh, not coincidental. There was a coincidence there that MDM Motorsports, RCR, Richard Petty Motorsports, all of that, uh, they're going to work together next year. Um, and Richard Petty Motorsports and Richard Childress Racing are going to do some some type of merger. Um, and maybe, maybe you know, uh, and this is just speculation. This part here is just speculation on my part. Maybe Moffitt and, and, the, and the partners at Richard Petty Motorsports buy out those those blind partners there at RCR. Um, but you know, Richard Petty will still be a part of it in some form, and I'm sure they'll keep the re- number 43 because that sells sponsorship. But yeah, that's what I'm hearing. It's going to go with Richard Childress Racing and sort of be a replacement there for the 27. Interesting. And that's a team that we've seen sort of. They're, they've been in the room mill a long time, you know. Um, a lot of people expect them to maybe go to be one of the organizations to go to Dodge. Um, you know, there's been speculation they, that, you know, they've, they've had an affiliation with Roush. They decided not to do that anymore. Then there was thought, talk that they were going to have an affiliation with a Ford team this year. They didn't do that. So moving to a Chevrolet team would be interesting for, to say the least. I mean, um, you know, you got a guy who used to work at RCR who's a crew chief there and a, and a big crew chief there, Drew Blickensterfer. Um, he was there for Jeff Burton when Jeff Burton was there. He was his crew chief. So interesting, very interesting if that's the case. I mean, all this, there's still a lot to play out. And I think that's what the shocking part is. We're here on August 20th, and 
not everything's concrete. I mean, this usually happens as far as big teams are concerned. Sure, the smaller teams, you know, we don't know as far as Landon Castle, David Reagan at Front Row Motorsports. You know, we got Matt Benedetto. He announced uh, a couple of weeks ago that he's going to return to the 32 car for next season. We don't know what the 72 is going to do next year. We don't know about charters and all that kind of gravy. Um, but the big chunks are these big teams, the 10, the 43, the 77, the 41. Uh, I think the biggest shock here is the fact that um, we don't have an idea of what's going to happen there next year. Um, final words, John, on the night here on Talking in Circles about the silly season. I, uh, like I said, Matt Kenseth, I don't want to play poker with because he he has to know where he's going. And he's not saying anything. If you remember, whatever, he made the move from Roush to Gibbs. He was quiet for a good two months after he'd already signed the deal because he could not make an announcement by his contract with Jack Roush until a certain date. But he had signed the contract two months earlier. I think Matt Kenseth knows where he's going to go. I think the RCR and RPM, uh, that would be interesting to see if, I mean, Petty's been everything so far. He's run Ford, Dodge, and if Andrew Merstein buys out Richard Childress's silent partners, it could be stabilizing for that organization because Childress's partners have been trying to get out for years. Yeah, and that could very well be. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how the performance level of those teams level off too because Richard Childress Racing's really struggled this season. Lee, I want to thanks, thank you for joining the show. You always add a lot to it, and uh, – We'll see you next week. Goodbye, guys. See you later. And uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to Talking Circles tonight. Uh, Off weekend, then we move to Darlington. Can't wait. We'll see you guys then. It's Talking Circles. Good night.